Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Konga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Do you know what, Musa? I am fantastic. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you want to know why? Why is that? Just a few moments before we jumped on this, I found a peanut butter Kit Kat chunky in my bag that I forgot I had. So I'd like to thank past Ryan for placing that in the front zip of my bag and therefore me forgetting about it and then finding it. The joy of finding out about chocolate is so great that actually... You should do a bit of a shop. Whenever you move into like a new place, you should do a bit of a shop and just strategically hide chocolate at different parts. Yeah, I went through a stage of finding forgotten Twixes. It's incredible. It became a bit, basically. It's a bit. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? Very well indeed. Very well indeed. I've been eating a lot, walking a lot, reading a lot. I went to a bookstore the other day and I just said, look, can I just give me some, some words, give me some writing that will kind of completely just break open my perspective on things because I'm not reading experimental enough stuff. So the woman in the books have recommended uh, Gertrude Stein's Lifting Belly. And I just went and just sat in a cafe with that. And it was one of the most incredible experiences because it's such a like out there book that it just completely just breaks your mind open. And I was like, yeah, this is one. I should do this more often. So yeah, I've been eating cake and reading experimental uh, fiction and living my best life. Do you know what's really disappointing about this? What's that? Is that, you know, everyone's doing this Wes Anderson TikTok trend. This is prime Wes Anderson TikTok trend material. Really? Yeah. Everyone's like, you know, doing a day in the life in a Wes Anderson style or something with the music over the top. This is perfect. Going into a bookstore. I I kind of imagine you going, breaking into the bookstore, you know, like just bursting through the door being like, give me some experimental words. And then (laughs) someone just lobbing a book at you. Right. And they talk about it while we live it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway we hope everyone stays safe staying well wherever you are Um, we're gonna keep it brief on the football today we're gonna do a quick recap but make sure you go and check counter press with Flo and the gang they're doing a detailed uh recap of barcelona against chelsea in the second leg of the champions league yes um two writers house episodes went up this week uh, a live one from spotify hq with sean wright phillips and Noel gallagher myself and ian It was a bit of a preview to the Manchester City Arsenal game. And then Ian and I jumped in the studio Wednesday, no, Thursday morning. Yes. Do a quick recap of that game and some of the Premier League stuff. Mm. But yeah, today we're going to do a roundup of some other stuff. And then we're going to do a mailbag. Got some really good questions. One that I feel is probably like the Venn diagram of Stadio mailbag question. Relevant to our interests. Just circle. It's just a circle. Other than that, check the ringer.com. The NFL metal draft is up. Have you watched it yet? Not yet. Oh my God, I didn't realise oh it was up. Oh my God. Incredible. It's so good. Another Comic Hall genius. of Fame performance from Chris Ryan. Comic genius. And um, just Danny Kelly's laughing in it is one of my personal <laughs> highlights because just <laughs> the way <laughs> it catches him off guard, it's just so good. Anyway, uh, yeah, go check the ringer.com. Loads of good stuff up there in a the moment. And... Oh, other bit about I me. Mean, don't forget there's no stadium on Monday. Right, yes. Two Rice House episodes and then another stadium next week. So there you go. Let's get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, 
you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. All right, man, quick roundup. Barcelona are through to another Champions League final. They defeated Chelsea 2-1 on an aggregate, one all in Camp Nou, um, thanks to a goal from Caroline Graham Hansen, which is a great goal, actually. Yes. Through the legs of Ancachi and Berger. Right, and Brooke got one back a few minutes later, and that was yeah, that. assisted by Sam Kerr. And Chelsea had a couple of chances to get a second, um, as did Barcelona. Um, and I think over the two ties, it Fair was, result, I think. It felt like, and this is um, no disrespect to Chelsea, it felt like for much of that second leg, they were absorbing a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. And so if you look at even the measure of chances, the balance of chances, Chelsea were just hoping to soak that up and get the counter punch. And it didn't quite come. It didn't quite come. The, the moment the opening didn't come until actually Bastard the lead themselves. And they were good value. And it, it felt like that win over Leon. It was a really difficult one for Chelsea because Chelsea had learned to navigate one part of the European problem, mm. but not the next part, which was asserting yourselves over Barcelona. And you know, no team in the Spanish league does that. So and no team is really ball dominant against Barcelona. So I think the frustrating for Chelsea is they have made progress, but the next step for them still seems quite far away in terms of overcoming Barcelona in two legs. Weirdly enough, maybe like a single, a one-off game, to, to Chelsea's credit, a one-off game, you can see them besting Barcelona. But a two-leg format just always felt a step too far. It always felt like Barcelona had extra tools, extra opportunities. To be honest, they were a little bit wasteful. Um, there was a bit yeah. when Graham Hansen broke clear and Oshola should have had the ball square and had to get the follow-up and put it over the top. But the, the first chance, you could have got one in cleaner. So Barcelona actually were not their most efficient best. No, I think, I, think they, I think they did more than enough to go through over the two legs. I think they probably should have had a, a couple more at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, I agree. Fair play to Chelsea as well, though, the way that they, they handled this second leg, because they kept it nil-nil until half-time, which was really key. Yes, yes. And a couple of breaks another way, and they really, you know, they could have nicked it. So yep. I, while I feel like, obviously, I think the golfing quality was still evident. They've closed the gap, though, Yeah, Chelsea. I don't think Emma Hayes will be... I mean, Emma Hayes will always be disappointed not to go through or win games, but... Mm. I felt like they more than, you know, did themselves credit in, in Camp Nou. But yeah, obviously Barcelona will face the winners of Arsenal and Wolfsburg, uh, which second leg of that is on Monday at mm. Emirates Stadium and we'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to that. Quickly, Coppa Italia. The, the finalists are set. It's going to be Inter against Fiorentina. Fiorentina drew 0-0 with Cremonese in the second leg, having been 2-0 up from the first. And Inter... Without Lukaku. Without Lukaku, thanks to a Federico Di Marco goal after 15 minutes, went through against Juve 2-1 on aggregate. Um, I love the look of this final into Fiorentina. I really like big, it. It's got big 1998 energy. It does. I feel a bit for Cremonese because they did some great giant killing, um, but yeah. still a really strong final. That was a big deal for Inter 2 because Juventus are rising and mm. you don't want to give them... When a team is resurgent like that, you don't want to give them hope. You don't want to give them a statement victory, I think. And I think Juventus, this actually, the Coppa Italia was a big deal for them, funny enough. Yeah, definitely, especially after the season deal. they've had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, still don't know whether they'll get those points taken back off them again. Right. Inter is showing us but, something. With their Champions League run as well, Inter are really, yeah, they're proving definitely. tough to put away. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, when you said Juventus rising, then I was just like, oh, that's, I'm not really like a, an astrology nerd, right? But it's just like, oh, Juventus is in Juventus rising, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it's like signs of football in chaos, we should actually come up with like a, football some football astrology, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, like football star signs. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's do Premier League, because there's some Thursday night Premier League stuff that we didn't get to cover in Wright's House, obviously. Yes, um, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Alexander Izak went for a wander. and just kept wandering. That and is when one no of one the... could tackle him, he kept wandering. And then he went on a little more wandering. And that then was he decided to just cut it back. I'm going to keep going. 
that was a mix of, you know, there's a comparison with Zlatan the whole time. Um, and they always talk about like, you know, the, actually remind me of Eden Hazard. Yeah, that run is, that, yes. That run, yeah. Eden Hazard, because the thing Eden Hazard does is the moment peak Eden Hazard would cross the halfway line, the defence were already doomed. And you see it, those three defenders converge on Isaac and it's already game over because they get him to that corner and the, the Hazard thing, which is just exceptional that Isaac does so well, is that he faints towards his own goal line and then just like shifts right. Mm. And then they can't, he just unbalances you. And it's just, there was talk about, oh, like what should Everton have done? Well, I suppose they could have done. If they're guilty of one thing, it's a uh, naivety actually, mm. because at some level there's a foul that goes in before he enters the box. Like yeah. a more, a more cynical defender, a less fair defender. Ironically, because, you know, the Sean Dyche teams get so much criticism for being pragmatic. You know, the stereotype of a Sean Dyche enough, yeah. Yeah, the stereotype, the stereotype of a Sean Dyche team is one that fouls him like way earlier. And of course it didn't happen because the defenders are trying to play it fair, but my goodness, they paid for it. There was absolutely no way that man was not getting exactly what he wanted in that penalty area. It's a spectacular dribble that one of the assists this season, for sure. And Isaac is now, you see, there was talk about when he arrived at Newcastle about what a big piece he could be. He is, he's the game breaker. He's potentially their Aiden Hazard. And I say that not because he's exactly the same kind of player, but in terms of a player who can be spectacularly destructive all by himself and who draws three or four players at once, who creates infinite chaos and allows everyone else to exploit it. He's just, he's a unique tool in that sense, in an attack really special player. He's incredible. I mean, we loved him at Real Sociedad. Was that thing that Draymond said about Luca? He a problem? He's going to be a problem. He already a problem. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, resounding win for Newcastle. Impressive. And for Everton, concern because they're still in a lot of trouble. This Leicester game this weekend is ginormous. Well, it's Monday. Mm. Everton going to Leicester. If they win that, they leapfrog Leicester in the league and if results go their way, they could be up to 16th. Mm. So that's why I still have a look. I, I was talking about it on Writers House actually about how I, <laughs> it's just something in me that feels like Everton are going to be okay. Mm. Um, but they have to pick up some points, man. They have to. And that, that Leicester game, they win that Leicester game, then that, that will be a statement victory. I don't think they probably would have chalked up like not, not being Newcastle at home. I don't think the no, performance was amazing. But that was probably the thing that will annoy Daesh the most, but you know, this is a side that's going to qualify for the Champions League. So seeing, seeing a lot of fans leave the Everton game was a bit of a concern because not a criticism of the fans, it's that when fans that patient and that faithful start leaving early, mm. it's then a question of, it's not so much that we didn't expect to lose, it's that it's the manner of the defeat and, and not going in at certain points and that was a concern to see that because then you feel people are really losing faith, which mm. understandably like given, you know, what they've been through in the last sort of couple of years. Yeah. So uh, trouble two, for straight, two straight relegation battles is very draining. My goodness. Yeah, like, massively. Yeah, yeah. So trouble for Everton, trouble for Southampton, losing 1-0 at home to Bournemouth thanks to yeah. Mark's Tavernier goal. Mm. They could have got something from look, that game, Southampton. They could have got yeah, something from they, there. Yeah, they had a goal disallowed for offside yeah. um, Adams. by Che Adams, yeah. uh, ruled out on VAR. But yeah, Southampton, uh, it's not looking good for Southampton. It's not looking good. Um, quickly, Spurs 2, Man United 2, Manchester United 2-0 yes. up. <laughs> oh um, my God. As a neutral, this was a really fun game. Jaden Sancho opened the scoring for Manchester United early on and then Marcus Rashford. This was amazing because Perisic, even Perisic had an opportunity at the other end mm. that was basically the exact same as what Marcus Rashford had. And Rashford, Marcus Rashford like, just buried it. This is how you do it. I, yeah. I compared it to Batistuta, the finish, because it was just like, he got the it ball and had like, upright shoulders. Yeah cut across and there was just no doubt and he absolutely rips it. There's something about like the trademark Batistuta was like at the end of a long run just absolutely lashing it mm. and Rashford now like you know peak Rashford when he's like that when, when he's finished like that he's close to un, unmarkable Yeah, but then United allow them back into it and the, Bruno Bruno threw on goal and oh, hits the Bruno. bar from like from about 10 yards out and that, that kind of gives, gives Spurs a way back in. You know, there's two one at that point. I think Porro, Porro's got one back already. That, that Porro goal, by the way, was absolutely amazing. You know, that, that was almost like, that's, I was, I was, um, so I consume a lot of basketball podcasts and Vince Carter, um, 
the Raptor, great Toronto Raptor veteran, the one of the greats, he talked about how players would check Twitter at half time and read the half comments. Time. Yeah, he said, he said, he no. Said, no, he's, he's from the generation. He said, well, like we saw social media coming in. So I was not really on it um, that much. But then you see the younger players would come in and read social media. And I feel oh. like Porro almost have been reading tweets <laughs> because that finish, you talk about angry goals. The man thrashed it through a crowd of players. And I was like, that man's been reading the comments because he had a difficult first half. Not as, not as tough as everyone said. I think it was slightly people going in a bit too hard against Porro in particular. But he came back with real vim in that second half and he showed us something, led the comeback. And then of course, Bruno hits the bar and Son gets the equalizer at the far post. Kane does the, uh, the playmaking work. And United really drop a point, well, drop two points they shouldn't have. This reminded me a little bit of the Liverpool-Arsenal game. Oh, right, okay. In the sense that you could put a case forward that Spurs could have won the game as well. Yeah. So this really confusing where actually drop two points, thrown away two points because you were in a Manchester United were in a position where they were in complete control, really. Yeah. But then also with Spurs coming back into the game and they had another opportunity or two, there was like a couple, was it Eric Dyer had that header? A couple of other chances as well they could have done better with. And you could say, actually, in the end, probably a point was overall fair. But it was, it was. Depend- it, was. it was one of those, like the momentum shifted in various points of the game. So one of those, depending on your own interpretation. Was- and I suppose to Spurs as well, you know, the kind of the refrain of the early seasons, uh, the first half of the season was basically strong second half. Yeah. And they gave us that again. So, you know, I suppose they're reverting to type. Uh, and I'm, I'm just pleased for Ryan Mason to get a point in a yeah, game definitely. like that. Exactly. All right. Football done? Yeah, football done. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's do some mailbag. Let's do this one first from Sam Diss, because this is quite a quick one, and I have an answer. Sam Diss says, which player has your favourite ever running style? Not dribbling or anything gauche like that. Just which footballer runs in a way you really like? Oh, I'm gonna, it's a cliche. It's a cliche, but it's actually the, um, the Brazilian Ronaldo. Oh, nice. Do you know why? <clears throat> so Serie A, I think it was against Parma. I'm not sure it was the Parma game. Um, when he's, there's an amazing, amazing moment. Like it's an iconic moment where he's sprinting down the right touch, down the left touch line. And then he cuts in on the right at full speed. He cuts in field on the right at full speed and just leaves two defenders. So 
you almost see scorch marks on the turf. And he just, he, I think he's wearing the white kits, I think it's an away, an away match. And he cuts in off the left flank and he's just light speed. It's like watching, it's the first time, you know, the Millennium Falcon's always banged up, right? Mm. And the first time you see it actually going to warp and that the white bit at the back is just glowing and you're like, oh my God. Like Ronaldo, peak Brazilian Ronaldo at Inter, sprinting in field, cutting off the left flank is just, wow. That's like, a, that's, that's I like the, that a lot. That's the one. Um, my choice was one of Ronaldo's four other teammates. That was Zinedine Zidane. Oh, wow. Just never looks like he's actually running that fast, but yes, he's yes, yes. deceptively <laughs> quick. <laughs> absolutely uh, rapid. He was mm. absolutely rapid. Someone said that he, they never saw him actually sprint, but actually there's the game, um, you know, the semi-final of the Euros against mm. Portugal when he beats four men on the dribble. Yep. And the only thing he doesn't do, I think he's playing a pass to Wiltorn and doesn't play at the right angle or Vieira, I'm not sure but he doesn't quite release it at the right time. He is absolutely smoking it for the second yeah. pitch. Yeah. And also it's funny, yes. I was mentioning Zidane the other day to a friend about how he was so elegant that mm. I think that Adidas could have done even more with his ad campaign stuff. Yeah. I think Adidas could have done some really, really great like cross historical stuff with him actually. Anyway, that's my aim. Yeah, Zidane was my shout. I was going to put Mesut Ozil in, but I thought that'd be too much of an Arsenal bias because Mesut, like you were saying, the kind of the elegance of his run, oh he would God. glide across the turf, deceptively fast Mesut Ozil. I've always said this, but um, Mesut Ozil in a foot race with Gareth Barry in the 2010 World Cup is oh. just, <laughs> wow. Poor Gareth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that question. Footballers who run. Uh, quick one from Ben Butcher who says, does John Stones' goal qualify as the most spiritually offside goal we've seen all season? <laughs> 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 I do like this because I forgot to say this on Wright's House. We didn't go into the refereeing decisions, but Mamal Kanji is pushing Ben White and that he that causes Ben White to play John Stones onside. So yeah, it is a spiritual offside goal. And also the timing of it for it to arrive then. Oh no. I had a couple of questions on Arsenal and Manchester City. Should we do them now? Is they kind yeah, of sure. tied do it, in? Do it, do it, do it. All right. So let's do this one first from Jamie Guyan, who says Rather than Arsenal bottling it, is it rather the case that the, def- that the deficiencies we expected just took a whole season to materialise and actually their performance for 75% of the season was simply, oh, sorry, performances for 75% of the season were simply outstanding to have allowed them to run City this close? That's how I see it. That's absolutely how I see it. Like, look at the counter that gets, that gets sprung. Mm. You have Holland and De Bruyne Okay, those are the first choice against a defence that is not Arsenal's first choice. It's not Arsenal's first choice. There's a lot of talk about holding this, holding that. Rob Holding is not Arsenal's first choice centre-back. And sometimes people talk about this and it's almost like it comes to the place of disrespect because first of all, he didn't do, you know, didn't do that badly, really. No, all this, did, I don't think there's, he did there's, really anything wrong. There's, there's really. a lot of talk. Yeah, sometimes there's a lot of like social media can get a bit like, oh, like, oh, Holland did this. Well, Holding is probably the third choice centre-back. Actually, this is interesting because James and Andrew on the Arscast were mm. talking about this. I was listening to this yesterday. They made a good point, actually, that Rob Holding is probably the fifth choice centre-back at Arsenal because you have Gabriel, you have William Saliba. Then if one of those moves out, you would have White go in there if, and mm. Tommy Asu would go right back. Or Tommy Asu in there at centre-back because he plays left centre-back for Japan. And then you have Rob Holding. But also, apart from Manchester City, What's the who has four or five centre-backs of first team for guaranteed starter quality no one yeah and and you know and and, and then City bring on Phil Foden mm. they bring on one of the best playmakers and in Europe in Europe one of the best wingers in and Europe and Julian Alvarez the, those and were their three subs I was just like guys Alvarez the man that was last seen playing hold up for Messi at a World Cup yeah at an actual World Cup so look I just think when it comes to conversations about bottling that nah, is when I mean, com- that's when conversations about squad depth become relevant because then we start talking about actual, we have to talk about resources because I looked at what City did and I thought that is a team playing at the peak of their powers who've solved all their problems, who have no obvious weaknesses, who should go on and win the Champions League. You know, you ne- there's no, mm. they should go and win simply, simply that they've worked out, like they've so- this, this, this City team has solved all its problems. And Pep in this guise is as ruthless 
as I've as I've seen him, regardless of what City do the rest of the season, regardless of whether they win the FA Cup or the Champions League, this particular guise of Pep has his team playing exactly as he wants them to play. Yeah, and at I that think situation, that's fair. You, you've got to give that to like you've got to give that to City and not take that from Arsenal. I think. Well, listen, what we, what's that thing that we always quote sometimes from the NBA? Sometimes just good def, good good offense beats good defense, right? It always does. It always does. Actually, if anyone set, starts talking about Arsenal bottling it, I just switch off in the same way when someone just says woke I'm just mm. like no nah, gone I'm out the one thing I think that Arsenal do would benefit from and this is nothing new I know that there's talk about Victor Osserman going to um, Bayern and that's the big chat but I actually think they should go pretty hard after him because I think the option I think the option of going long JJ Bull did a great interview about a great, great video about this for Tifo about um, City's victory and I think the outlet is absolutely essential if you look at the space that Osserman dominates high up I think for City to kind of uh, I think Carl was talking in the chat and the, we were talking about like, you know, what stops City? And I think actually to beat City, you've got to give them the same kind of problems they give others. You need to give them that problem. You need to give them a, ha- a Holland problem. You need to give them an aggressive nine who attacks the build up, which is why Benzema was so devastating against them. You need to give them that same problem. So I think that, you know, going forward, I think a nine for Arsenal is a nice option to have. Actually. Yeah. I think the Mikel Arteta could have done a little bit better mm. in the game. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I feel like, for example, if you have someone like Rob holding in and you know that Rob is much better in a back three. Mm. So actually, for a game like this, defensive solidity is paramount. So to switch to a back three, that was the disappointing thing for me. I said it on right now, so I don't want to repeat it too much. But you mentioned signings and Mm. might as well throw this one in from Mike McDonald. He says, you have £200 million plus sales to spend at Arsenal this summer. Who do you buy and why? I think Osimhen and Caicedo. No, not Declan Rice. I love the way Caicedo moves the ball through the middle of the field. And this is not a knock on Rice at all. It's just that Caicedo popped more immediately to mind because I've seen what he's done with Brighton and the speed of the ball circulation is absolutely central. I mean, Rice obviously incredible at driving forward and it's a different type of, it's just a different type of midfield, I think. I think it's what you want from your midfielders. And I think that Caicedo, what I love about what he does is just, he enables so many so many parts of that. Like he makes the fluidity just extraordinary, makes them harder to pinpoint. I think with Rice, the one thing I would just say is a slight criticism is I think he's just marginally easier to pinpoint because of the nature of his play. Like, you know, obviously he's, he's a very good passer. We know that also is quite ball dominant. So I think almost like clamping the source of the defense, you know, like it was mm. like, like with Georgina, if you clamp the base, if you, if you basically attack the base of the midfield, I think that Kaiseido is just a little bit more elusive in, 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 in the Arsenal setup that I'd like to see. Having said that, if Rice goes to Arsenal, we know he'll be spectacular. It'll just be a different type of midfield. And I think actually he's, um, he's an upgrade on what they have without criticising anyone that's there already. I think, I think he that, essentially plays the Partey role. Yeah. And I think he's he, a younger version of it. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, th- I think he's, to be honest, actually, they're, they're kind of slightly different players and I just think, get them both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, through just throw the whole two, 200 million at Dortmund and get Jude. <laughs> Actually, I mean, Rice, the problem is they can't afford, they can't afford both Rice and Caicedo. That's the problem. Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if they get some good sales, though, I mean, because obviously there's going to be decisions to be made about Eddie and Katia uh, following Balogun, you know, whether they go for another striker. Actually, Adam Collins replied um, with his suggestion saying, by Bremer from Juve, Rice from West Ham, Ollie Watkins. And I actually think going after someone like Ollie Watkins as a, it's not a bad shout. He's an excellent you know? striker. He's an excellent yeah, striker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, sorry, Villa fans, Villa fans are going to hate us. First of all, we hype them. Then we're taking their players off them. <laughs> anyway. No, I, um, I, I think the, the, the reason I say Osimhen is because I think his unique ability to dominate the forward line, not unique, almost unique ability to dominate the forward line, is something that is a tool that Arsenal, it will give them so much more. Mm. It will give them so much more. And I think, I mean, like, the dream is Osimhen, Caicedo and Rice. Mm. I think, but Arsenal, I think that puts you in a position where you're dangerous. I mean, yeah, that's stratospheric. I mean, obviously you've got the Champions League money coming in, which is going to be a big boost, something Arsenal haven't had for a good few years. So you never know how that's going to change that. Because they have spent money while being out in the Champions League. So They have. You, know, you, go, you go for Jude though, so I'm being rude. You went to, you're going for Jude. I, I mean, you know me. Yeah. yeah. I'm, a sim- I'm a simple man. Um, <laughs> just, give, just spend it all on Jude. That's fine. No, I mean, I I'm not being entirely serious. I'm, I'd have to think about it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. We did have a question, another Arsenal transfer question, but maybe we'll swerve it because we've had 
a bit of chat about Arsenal, but it was from 47 Spence who just said, is there a transfer you think in hindsight Arsenal wish they made mid-season? And actually, I don't think there is. I don't think... I think the signings that they made with Jorginho and Trossard were very, very smart. And I'm surprised I haven't seen a little bit more of Jorginho in certain games. Mm. But obviously the Trossard signing for the money as well has been a, an He's undoubted been brilliant. success. He's been brilliant. Um, maybe, a, I mean, in hindsight, maybe another centre-back, but they did sign uh, Kivio for the left side. Yeah. yeah. And it's very but, hard um, to integrate a centre-back in the middle yeah, of the season. Exactly. It's very hard. Yeah. yeah look, but, look at Liverpool struggle with it, like in the mm, COVID season. It's really hard. Definitely. We have this question on Manchester City, and this will wrap our little Manchester City Arsenal segment up from Max Slater Robbins. Do you guys reckon Holland delivers Manchester City the Champions League finally? I remember Musa saying something about Holland being Pep's Virgil Van Dijk signing ages ago. It's like one of those ones when I was saying with like Holland, like I think I said, does City need him? And I think I said like not yet, in the sense that City were good enough, but they'll need him, mate. Broadway. Right now he becomes. Yeah. Now you're seeing what they signed him for because look. City are so good that even without Haaland, they would still be close in the league. They would still mm-hmm. have found a way to find the goals. Right? They would have. But now we're yeah. seeing Haaland's true value. The semi-finals, this FA Cup final, all of which will be taken extremely seriously. This is where now his value comes into play. And I think, look, the Champions League is just, it's as wild as a bag of cats. There's no prediction on it. But there's no sensible prediction you can make about it. But they are in their best possible they're in the best possible like shape to win it. And I think Pep actually, you know, Pep is criticized a lot for changing things. I wonder if he feels like this is the least I've ever had to change a starting 11. Given what I'm up against. And that's thanks a lot to Haaland, you know, unless we still, unless we see Calvin Phillips at center back, I think Pep is going to win the Champions League. (laughs) Unless he goes absolutely wild and does something completely and poor Calvin Phillips just taking strays. <laughs> Sorry, no, you know, Calvin no, Phillips somewhere just looked up and like, I can play centre back. What? I, what, what? I can play centre back. I play everywhere. <laughs> you can It'd be amazing as well. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I agree with everything. I have nothing more to add to that. Me, something. Oh, I agree. A meeting of minds. Yes, we should do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of a meeting of minds, Dan at the Pizza Dan says, if you had to build an eleven using only characters from The Wire. <laughs> oh, gosh. Who would make the squad? Don't need to name them all, but curious to see who you'd put in goal at number 10 or number 9. Well, Dan, you are going to hear them all, and I do need to name them all. And I'm playing 4-3-3. Okay, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go. Let's- Shall I just go through my whole 11? Go for it, go for it. That's amazing. Go for it, go for it. I haven't written mine down, but I think I've got some off the okay. go. Let me oh, go for oh it. I've yeah. written mine down. Ha, 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 ha. Incredible. Okay, go for it, go for it, go for it, go for it. So four through three. In goal, Slim Charles. Incredible. Incredible. Nothing's getting past nothing's getting past Slim. <laughs> Love it. Go on, go on. Right back, Chris. Because Chris keeps it fucking low key. Chris is basically Ben Wyatt. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that. Centre-back pairing of Daniels and Avon. Wow. Honestly, I'm not, wow. I don't want to overhype this, but I think this might be the best thing I've ever done for this podcast. So I'm really That's, inc- that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, Kima at left-back, because Kima will switch into central midfield when we have possession, no problem. She's like the brains and the brawn depending on whether we're with or without the ball. That's incredible. Cops and killers in the back four, in the back yep. five. <laughs> Just getting along. <laughs> Holding midfield. Leicester. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Unreal. Unreal. Because <laughs> all the pieces matter. They do, they do. And he knows how to thread it all together. Perfect, perfect. And he's flanked by Bodie and McNulty. Oh my God. Unreal. It's the, the free eights. <laughs> because Bodie is basically going to be coming off the bench at 38 still. Because he kind of outlasts everyone, if you think about it, in the wire. He does, you, think he does. He's, you think he's gone and all of a sudden he pops up again and he's still on the corner. He's like James Milner. <laughs> Real talk. Great shot. Great. But Nolte, people underestimate his intelligence. He always breaks the lines. He breaks the lines. His persistence. He's like incredible at the press. Sees the pass. Guaranteed yellow card. He's basically Granit Xhaka. 
But also like, but underrated passer though. Yeah. Underrated actually opening the game up. Yeah. And you ready for my front three? It's so funny because I, yeah, yeah. I, I've got an idea who the, who the nine is. But anyway. My front three from, to be honest, they can interchange. Marlo, Omar and Snoop. Without question. Without question. Omar's, Omar's my nine for sure. Omar's my nine. I had Marlo, <laughs> I had Marlo right-hand side and I had Snoop left-hand side. That's perfect. That's perfect. And then I've got subs bench, Weebay, Ronda, Stringer, Cutty, Brother Muzone, Herc and Bunk. Who's the Herc coach? Herc is one of those that you, he only ever comes on when we you're know defending who the coaches, a one We know who the coaches. No, I don't think you do. But you might know who my assistant is. My manager is Bunny Colvin. Oh, Ancelotti vibes. Ancelotti vibes. He's basically Ancelotti, but his Ancelotti. assistant is the Greek. That's incredible. So Slim Charles in goal, Chris, Daniels, Avon, Kima back four. Leicester in the holding midfield. Bodie McNulty's the eights. Marlo, Omar, Snoop up front. Weebay, Ronda, Stringer, Cutty, Brother Muzone, Herc and Bunk on the bench. Manager Bunny Colvin, assistant the Greek. That's perfect. That's basically perfect. It's basically perfect. I put a lot of thought into that. I'm not going to lie. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. That, no notes. That side goes up against Man City every season. That defeats, because the thing about Slim Charles being a keeper is I could actually imagine him being good in goal. Yeah. You know, those, those basketball players that have never played in goal before, but they've got great hand-to-eye coordination. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, give me a couple minutes to work this out. All right. Oh, okay. And then they just start pulling off, like tipping over the bar, like flinging it to the wings, distribution. Listen, that team has everything. Physicality, intelligence, creativity, technicality, persistence, efficiency. And the disciplinary problems are really <laughs> clever because they're all high up the pitch. Big rotational fouling in yeah, this you're, squad. You're not going yeah. to get like silly reds in the centre-backs. You'll get like a red from the, from the, from the, um, from the midfielders, but not your back. Your back five is going to be pretty tight. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing further to add. Nothing further to add. I mean- Any tweaks you'd make? Uh, no, I would have uh, actually used Bodie um, in a, in a centre-back role in a different formation, I would have thought, uh, because, you know, he is a soldier and- <laughs> But he'd be like a junior defender. So he'd be like a kind of, um, he, he was, he'd be the one to make the first tackle. So he would commit himself first. So he would not be a sweeper. He'd be more like a kind of the proactive defender. Um, I think that would be one, one change I would have made. One suggestion. One thing I would have thrown in about Bodhi. He's on corners. Yeah. <laughs> Bodhi on corners. I would have had um, Prop Joe and the coaching staff. Prop Joe is like the Rennie Mullenstein to set traps in the Champions League. In the Champions League. Do you know League. what Prop Joe should be? Prop Joe should be the set piece coach. So whenever yeah, this exactly, team has exactly. a corner, Prop Joe walks to the front of the dugout and he's just gesturing. No, he, what, he, what he does is what he does is he basically actually has, he pioneers a thing of fluid set pieces. It's basically like when the ball is in play, that's a corner. So actually this here, he said this, this area here where the ball's in play, that's actually a corner. We play it like that and they counter everything. So it's all totally fluid. So I think that he would be I think Prop Joe definitely like tactical and the coaching staff doing all, yeah doing the X's and O's. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Is there anyone else I would bring in? Um, anyone else I'd bring in? I'm not. I think I think Stringer would retire early with an injury and be a talent scout, be an incredible talent scout, and would just be like taking the pulse. So I think String would just be like there in the mix. I wouldn't have him at board level. I think String would, <laughs> we all know that he didn't master macroeconomics. So actually, you know, he's not, he's, I think String thinks he's a numbers guy, but he should be in the field at the grassroots doing the scouting. So yeah, I think that's the one change, but otherwise that's a, that's a perfect team. Thanks, Amazing. man. Yeah, yeah. I was really proud of that. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, it just so came good. together. I was just like, oh my God, this is actually fucking amazing. Lester is the DM is just perfect. It's, it's so good, it's, right? It's, it's sorry, it's I mean, it's sorry, big myself up. That's yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Ali says, we're rapidly approaching the end of the season, so who have been your bre- biggest breakout talents and why? I know I'm sounding like a pandering to the base, but um, Quarit Scalia has to be. Quarit Scalia was my shout. Has to be, really. If we think about, and even funnily enough, even in the semi-final, you know, 
when he struggled in the second leg, it actually just reminded you how far he's come so quickly. It reminded you of that. Like the Sacramento Kings, you look at them in the playoffs now, like you're struggling a bit against the Warriors now, but it's incredible they're even there and being that competitive and that good. Quarit Scalia just to emerge, to explode onto the scene like he has done is just unreal and remarkable. And it deserves, as you, you know, to coin a phrase of yours, all the credit. All he's the credit for just, adapting. For Levin, he leveled I up. Think, I, massive I don't amount think of credit. I coined that phrase. Well, massive yeah. amount of credit. You know, he, he leveled up to that degree to come into mm. the league and be that dominant. Unbelievable. So yeah, he, he's the outstanding choice, I would say. I mean, following Balagoon, you could say, right. is having a breakout right. season. He's got 18 goals in Liga. You could say Matoma. I think Matoma is an excellent shot for breakout in the Premier League because like what he does has become such a part of the landscape. This destructive dribbling, a time when, you know, people are like, oh, like, you know, smaller players, there's a really room for them. And every week he's just devastating for Brighton. And it's really, really sad, you know, from a Brighton perspective that he didn't score that winner in that semi-final against United only because it would have put the kind of, um, the headline on a season that's been outstanding for him. Yeah. I think also Javi Simons deserves a bit of a shout for PSV because he was someone who... He's had a journey back, like an Odegaard type vibe. Yeah. I mean, like a very, very highly rated youngster at Barcelona. Went to PSG and didn't really break through. He made a few... I think he started to make a few appearances under Poch, but it didn't mm. really work out. And he's gone to PSV and I feel like he's just... <laughs> It felt like a good move for him. This kind of felt a little bit, it feels a little bit like Erdogan's move to Real Sociedad. Yeah. But again, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I, think I, would, I think I would call Javi Simons a breakout. Because it feels like a comeback. It feels like a comeback only because... Uh, well, I'm not necessarily sure if it's a comeback because he's, he hasn't had anything to come back from apart from being... Expectations, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. There's been actually no like real evidence of him... Mm. of his ability at the very, very top level playing men's football, like top level men's football all the time. So I'd, I'd put, I'd put Javi Simons in there. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to have, like, you know, formalize any of this. It's just uh, some suggestions. I think let's, I'd be great to hear other people's like, cause there'll be, mm. there bound to be some that we've missed. So maybe tweet at Stadio with some of your suggestions for yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. the season's breakout and we can run through them. But, um, this one from Simbarasha Char, who says, Next season, you have to leave your lifetime club allegiance of Arsenal Manchester United and claim another Premier League club for the entire campaign. It must be a club that finishes outside the top four. You cannot choose the same club. I'm going to give you the honour of going first, Amy Sokonga. Oh, wow. Thanks for having me the loaded gun. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll go first if you want. I don't mind. No, I would... Um I, I think I would, I would go for Brighton actually. Yeah, I'll go well, for Brighton. The reason I gave you them was because they were going to be my first shot. Ah, well, thank you. I think they just would be. I just, I've got loads of friends down there. It'd be a lovely excuse to go and catch up with all of them. Taking a game too. I'd be fascinated to see who they bring in once they sell on a couple of players because I think it's pretty clear a couple are going to be coveted in the summer. Whether they leave or not, I don't know. But they'll be coveted, and I just. I just love watching them play football. Like I said, like one of my favourite bits of football this year was the goalless first half against Liverpool, just because I just love the way they were moving the ball around. So, yeah. Have to finish outside the top four. Say it. Aston Villa. Say it. Well, I was going to say Villa because Villa, but Villa is one of those. It's but we like, like to talk about them. Well, no. <laughs> and also, but like, it makes it look like we're bandwagoning, bandwagoning but we've always hyped Villa. It's a giant club. It's the like a club that's won a European Cup. It's yeah, like absolutely. one of the great old clubs of England. And I mean, Villa when things are going good is a really fucking fun club to be around. I would go for Villa. I think mm. Villa, if not Bright uh, Brentford, maybe just because I feel like they'd, it'd be a very Zen fan experience. Mm. Just because I think they're way too good in terms of the players they've got, the setup they've got and the coach that they have to flirt with relegation imminently. And I just think Thomas Frank is amazing. I'd say Villa or Brentford. Yeah, great shouts both. I like that. Okay, let's finish on this one quick. Brady Frost says, and I kind of feel like this is, this is very much aimed at Musa Gwonga. Oh God. You've just been signed by your dream club. 
What are you doing for your announcement video? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is actually, I, I'm scared of answering this kind of question. Psychologically, <laughs> psychologically, it's too revealing. I'm scared to answer it. <laughs> are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> for my announcement, what am I doing? Oh my god. Should we, should we do each other's? Yeah. Maybe yeah. That's, <laughs> so I think that you would be signed by Napoli. The announcement video would be done DIY style, almost like a, someone's walked past a restaurant in Naples and they're filming on their phone. And they go in and it's this restaurant, it's this amazing restaurant. It's basically just you and you've ordered everything on the menu. You wouldn't see, you wouldn't look at the camera, you'd be eating and tucking into all this amazing Neapolitan food. And as the camera came up, you'd look up and do, you know that you give him that kind of like that one eyebrow look that you give people. You just be like, in Italian, you'd basically be like, you knew what this was. You knew what this was. <laughs> and it'd come up with like, you knew what this was in English subtitles. Oh my and that God, would become perfect. a meme instantly. Perfect. In fact, perfect. can we just make that meme? Can we, next time I see you, can we just go to a restaurant and you do that so I can just make that meme? And do it like multiple languages. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is this is yours. This is that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> You're walking down a street. You got like okay, obviously a nice, nice, a nice cardigan on, not like a conspicuous one, like a sort of navy cardigan. The, the kind of the, the, those who know know type brand, not like a sort of you know up themselves brand, but like you know connoisseur's choice. Much. I appreciate that. So you're walking like, and it's like sort of down a street with um, cobblestones, and it, you can't tell where it is because the sky's overcast. You can't tell. Like, but the, the ground is cobblestones. So you're like, okay, it looks like a European city because, you know. Um, Interesting. So you're walking along and cobblestones and the camera's like falling over the shoulder and it's slightly grainy. So it's not like a stalker thing. It's more like a mate, like almost like a, a group pod. It could, so either, either a partner's filming or a close friend. And then you walk into like a record store, right? And we can't see what the name of the store is, but we just see that like it's a, so there's no indication of what language it's in. And you start going through like a selection of <laughs> a selection of records, right? And they're filming, filming, selecting. You you tuck a couple under your arm because you really like. The, oh wow, they got that copy. They got like you know a couple of like red herring selections. You know, oh, oh they got some Harry Belafonte. Oh, great, I haven't got that before. Oh, he's got a live performance Carnegie Hall. I'll take that one. And and there's a third record you come to, which is a white label, and you put it on, and it's a cover of like. The Severe Ultras, like one of their favorite, it's a cover of like Severe Ultras, like favorite tune. And you start playing it and you're like, and that's the announcement that you're joining Severe. That's you. That's you. Wow. <laughs> Not Betis. No, 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 no. Would it be like, I thought, Interesting. I thought, I thought, I thought just because I just thought, you know, Severe's vibes. But yeah. Because I could, I could see, because I could see you going on a run with Severe, like Europa League winning something big. So yeah. But that's how I'd imagine your announcement to be made, actually. <laughs> because it would be like, it'd be one of those ones that would be like, it'd be one for the Thanks, heads. Man. People are like, you're hearing the cover, you're like, oh my God, familiar vocal. And then like, oh, it's that song. And I was like, right. <laughs> oh, I like that question. All right, then. Should we get out of here? That was great. I love that. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are. Don't forget to check Wrighty's House from this week, Counter Press from today about the Women's Champions League. Mm. And uh, Wrighty's House and Counter Press next week after. Arsenal against Wolfsburg. No Stadio on Monday, back on Thursday. Until then, check theringer.com and check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. I'm dedicating this one to uh, the, the, the Premier League title race <laughs> by Dimas the Third. I won't love you again. <laughs> anything, anything you want to add, Mr. Okonga? Nothing further. What can I add to that? <laughs> All good. All right, everyone, much love. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back with you next week. See you then.
This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold Slurpee drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven, and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small Slurpee drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.